0: Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Marin and I'm feeling like the queen of the universe, here to serve and protect all of creation and to chow down on that good, good tow fruit. And Barry is here to help us find the pathway back to Eden. But before we can ascend the mountain of the Lord, now that he's re- finished rewiring his bathroom light fixtures in a real-life depiction of covenant love, please welcome back our favorite cherubim, Barry. Wow. Good
1: day, Barry. Good Berry. day, Maren. Wow, you crushed that. Did well I? done. I was so
0: nervous about I that. When
1: you said tove fruit, <laughs> tov it sounded fruit. like tofu fruit, and I was like, tofu <laughs> fruit? Tofu fruit. Yeah. Oh, I
0: mean, not everyone can write an intro like Tyler. We miss you, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, come back. Yes. Come back soon.
1: So if you've not been listening, Tyler had a baby again, while well, his wife did. They are... Uh, they're at home with baby Lane, and so who I now have seen is an insanely adorable he child. He is
0: adorable as the pictures oh my would word. suggest.
1: He is a little angel. Little
0: round face. So
1: cute. So teensy.
0: Yeah. Talk about Cherub.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why, that's why last week I did the intro. This week, Maren did the intro. and Who's going to do
0: it next t-
1: <laughs> There's no way to know. <laughs> there's no way to know.
0: Maybe we, our special guest can we we write do, an intro. I was intro. just going to say,
1: we have a special guest whose name is Marcus, Marcus Castile. Castile. Oh, hello. <laughs> Probably not necessary. For oh, the, it's the big totally build worth up. it. Marcus, how
0: are you?
2: Good. I'm glad next week the special guest gets to do the intro and
1: not this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's we pretty have nerve-wracking, you it yeah. It I yeah. think you did a great job. Oh,
0: thanks, man. Second yeah. second time ever.
1: <laughs> so we, we asked Marcus <clears throat> to join us today because there's been some really cool stuff happening in the care center. If you're not aware, Marcus is our associate pastor of... Uh, outreach and service at the 146th Street campus, which uh, a lot of his job involves overseeing our care center, which has all sorts of really awesome things that we do to help serve our community and serve our our uh, yeah those around us. And so he's here to kind of tell us what's been going on because we just had a big expansion. So Marcus, in a nutshell, how do you describe the care center to somebody who's never heard of it before? Wow, somebody's
2: never heard of it The We've actually had some um, both volunteers and friends coming to us um, new here since the expansion. So it's been yeah. really neat not only to see their reaction when they see it, but to know that they've never saw pre-expansion. Right. So um, it's just a wonderful space that whether you're volunteering or you're a friend, you get to come in and um, just have it a great experience and be loved on and receive some physical support or some practical support, mm-hmm. whether that's food or Financial help or your car repair, um, and now a thrift store. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's a it's a good outreach to the community. Um, a lot of people coming to the church for the very first time,
1: um, whether they're volunteering or they're friends. So it's a it's a neat experience. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, now we're serving uh, how many families per week generally? Um,
2: it, we're up. I I don't think we actually knew. Well, we we don't know yet exactly how many a week, but. Um, we were serving right around six hundred and we're probably pushing that seven hundred number right now wow. wow, um, so these last it's only we've actually been open in the new space for three weeks now, mm-hmm. and so it's been it's been really good. We got a lot of the processes and um speed bumps taken care of and this last week has been really nice the The feel of the care center is back now just the the love and yeah and the focus on the individuals has been yeah. great to focus on that and not the task
0: can you can you talk a little bit about the before <laughs> and after? of the care center expansion. I know before we would run into a problem consistently where we would have to turn families away. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. When we first started the care center, we literally took two classrooms, took the wall down in the center and kind of put a a makeshift grocery store in there. Mm. And so um, what we were finding is the number of people that were coming to us, you could only get so
1: many through that space. Right. It was like a cart and a half wide. Yes. So you couldn't even get around somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You're just jammed in there. And the new one actually has two pantry layouts that
2: are mirrored. And so when a family comes through, they either go right or left. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so you literally have two of the same space of the old one. Wow. Um, but there's also room in between each one of the the rows. Um, or, between the shelves, and so families can actually pass each other as well mm. and so our our new thing was it took so long for personal shoppers to get people through mm. um, that now they're getting through so fast we had to change some processes um because a lot of times the friend would be done shopping and we're still working on their freezer order, oh wow, or other little fun things like yeah, that yeah yeah, so yeah it's been neat to just kind of problem solve and do things very differently, so yeah,
0: yeah, so as as with the expansion come more families, are we in need of more volunteers?
2: Yeah, I know the first couple of weeks we've been really focusing on not turning away, mm-hmm. um, which is really after the first month that the care center opened back in 2012, we've actually been turning families away, not being able to meet the need. And really the first couple of weeks, we actually had zero families we turned away. And so far as of right now, we've turned zero families away, but we really want to change the focus to the number of families we are serving mm-hmm. instead of, because we know at some point we will turn families away because- we have no idea who's coming to us every time we open. We also don't know how many volunteers are coming every yeah. time we open. Mm-hmm. And so it's just an equation. Now where space used to be the the anomaly that kind of held things up, um, it's now going to be the people. And so we do need more volunteers. The more volunteers that come um, get to share in the experience and be changed by God, and that's really what we're focused on. Um, and in the meantime, we'll actually give an amazing experience to our friends yeah. who come to us. So um, we're serving right now over about 200, 211 families just through the pantry and mm-hmm. that's probably about 25 to 40 every shift that we're open more than we were in the old one so wow. Uh, wow. it is an increase but
1: we're excited because more families yeah. get to have that experience yeah friends of the pot. if you have not had an opportunity to volunteer at the care center i'll just tell you it is it's a it, it is a transcendent experience because it is a place that just it's just love like everybody mm. is seems to be joyful so many people and I I, myself included come into the care center carrying things from their day carrying the burden of work and all that stuff and leave lifted I I can't tell you the number of times when I was in a season where I was serving almost every week that I would go in thinking I just want to go home and sit on the couch I don't want to come here and then I would leave thinking I can't imagine doing anything else with Mm -hmm. my evening you know I always felt so lifted and it's it's such a beautiful community where Friends and volunteers are almost indistinguishable in some ways because sometimes friends are volunteers and volunteers are friends. Exactly. And it's this just a community where everyone is just on the same level playing field, loving one another, serving one another. And if you haven't had a chance to volunteer, I really do encourage you just try it out. I was just speaking to a, a friend of mine who was telling me that he started volunteering now that the, the expansion is open. And he said, I don't know what I was waiting for. Now hmm. that I've done this, I thought about it for so long and just kept coming up with excuses but now I can't imagine being anywhere else. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah.
0: And what are what are the nights to volunteer or the days? Yeah,
1: we have
2: Monday and Tuesday night. The volunteer shift is 5:30 to 8:30 and then it's Wednesday morning from 9:30 to 12:30. Yeah. So the other thing when we looked at expansion, we were so focused on doubling the impact and serving twice as many families. Yeah. Um and I think the one thing that's really st- stood out to me over the last 3 weeks that God's really revealed is that even though we focused on building space to get twice as many people through, um, really what we built, because watching our friends and interacting with our friends, as well as the volunteers, we built something that is so neat and so nice that it's really the end product that we built, that our friends are like, you did this for me. Yeah, Yeah, it's honoring. So it's the experience that they have is really what we built. We didn't build a double capacity care center. What God helped us build was really somebody... Realizing that this is not even a typical pantry. Oh no. Nothing's no, no. typical.
1: No. It's just like this is beautiful and you did this for
2: me. Have you ever been to one um, of those like
1: fancy grocery stores yeah. where like all the signage is really nice <laughs> and you're just like, wow, they really took the time to like lay out all the stuff. Yeah. That's what it feels like in yeah, there. You're yeah. like going to like one of those expensive grocery stores. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: One other quick story, because the thrift store is actually a new part of the care center. I was
1: gonna ask about that. Yeah. yeah. And
2: so it's open to the public. I think that's our big myth that we want to get rid of. That mm. it's not just for care center friends, it's right. actually open for the public. Like, and no, it's the,
1: open It's open while the care center is open, right?
2: Right now, Monday, and Tuesday. eventually we'll open up more hours, but mm-hmm. right now we do have people from the public coming, and we'd love more because you're not taking from the care center, friends. What you're doing is all the funds that come, proceeds that come from the thrift store actually operate the care center, Right. Mm-hmm. so it's right. a way of impacting and not only doing something, getting something that you may need, but you're also impacting the lives of somebody else. Um, one of our friends on Monday last week came in, and she was looking for a certain coat for a a friend. She's a caretaker. Mm-hmm. And even though she's a care center friend, she also cares for somebody who is uh, kind of a shut in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as she's looking at this winter coat, she shared with that this lady during the winter months, this um, senior citizen could not come through or come out of her house because she didn't have a winter coat. And so she found a winter coat, she took it. And then it was really neat. Last night, she came back and said that she was able to take her friend Sunday to church. Wow. You know, because she had a winter coat. She had a winter coat. And so just to see the impact that Somebody donated that coat mm-hmm. because they didn't need it anymore, and this lady was able to buy the coat mm-hmm. and then be able to give it to somebody who was able to then go to church because in the winter months, she's not allowed to get out because she didn't have a coat. Mm. Wow. So just seeing the small little impacts of right. all those little things is, right. is amazing.
0: Yeah, so, it's incredible.
1: And if you haven't seen the thrift store, I'll say it's it's good stuff. Like yeah. this is not what – I don't know what else you'd be imagining, but it is like really nice stuff, partly because we've gotten such a huge amount of stuff. So I guess a practical question, Marcus, that I have is what if people do want to donate some stuff? How do you feel about that right now? Yeah, we're a little
2: overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that's coming in, which is a good thing. Yeah, um, But we're also reaching out to stores um, who basically just like the grocery system, there was mm-hmm. a lot of food that was being thrown in the dumpsters that are amazing food that, you know, maybe expires three or four years from now, but they just don't have space. How we do grocery stores cause a lot of food waste. Mm -hmm. Um, And then an interesting fact I just found out, that the number one item in a landfill is actually clothing. Really? And so here in America. So clothing, when it gets, whether it's at a store side and they're not selling it, they have to get rid of it. So we're actually contacting stores and letting them know, which is why we have a lot of brand new stuff. So you're mm. talking about how nice stuff is. This is not just donated items, but things donated from right. apartment like stores, new, new brand
1: things. new. Yeah,
2: yeah, that would have actually went into the landfill. Wow. And so that's been nice. But yeah, we always take volunteers. We always take do- donations of green bag food as well as cars and now thrift store items yeah. and so clothing as well as very small household items. Um, is what we're really stocking the thrift store with. And mm-hmm. we have four semi-trailers in the back parking lot that are filled. If so we has have a, donations. If anybody has a spare warehouse to donate, yes, we could, that uh, we could use that. Yes.
0: Yeah. So well, we got to be open more days so we can move we that product, yeah.
2: which we need more volunteers to do. So <laughs> it's all if you're all circle. about the thrift store and you want to come and serve, we will open. Up more you are
0: speaking times. my language. There I am a are. lifelong, passionate thrifter. <laughs> yeah. Passionate. My daughter and I both like it's our it's our Saturday thing. So yeah, I'm really o- excited. We open about up the in store. two
2: hours, so we'll <laughs> yeah. see you in two hours. We can we can help curb that passion of yours.
1: Yeah. Well, wow. speaking of which, Marcus, I know yeah. you got to get going because yes, we got you. you've got care center stuff to do. Um, thank you for joining us yeah. uh it just kind of was a cool opportunity just to kind of get a little glimpse into what's been going on yeah thanks so, for having me absolutely so ladies and gentlemen
0: marcus, marcus Castillo. thank you yay i'm doing the sound bite <laughs> oh
1: yeah i love squirrel noises thank you marcus all right well maren it's well, you and me <laughs> We're going to have to have a conversation about stuff. First, got to talk about our lives. You know, Barry,
0: let's just talk. Yeah. You know? Let's have a conversation.
1: (laughs) Friends of the pod, we don't know what we're doing without Tyler here. He usually guides our conversations. We're going to do our best. Maren, how's Jed? Last time we talked, he was...
0: Oh, that's what I forgot to tell Marcus. Oh. Yeah, Marcus is loaning Jed a wheelchair. That's very nice of him. just, like... Upped the game in the mobility world for my poor husband because he I, had his knee removed. Was it or <laughs> yeah, completely no. He he had massive knee surgery. That's what I keep calling it. It's it it was a outpatient procedure where he went in and was out the same day. But still, his recovery time um, he can't do anything at all. Can't hmm. drive. Can't do anything for two solid weeks. He's going to physical therapy throughout the week. See so um, like
1: a big cast on.
0: No, it's not a cast. He has, like, dressing and, like, wound care, that kind of thing. He has, um, I guess they call it an air cast, and it's, like, filled with ice water. Mm. He wears that. So between, there's a machine... That will stretch his leg out and bend his leg for him. Oh wow! And he has to be on that machine for eight hours a day. It's his full time job.
1: Oh my word! It's and just, it's constantly working. Yeah,
0: constantly. Oh, and then wow. he has to kind of up the. Anyone who's had knee surgery before probably knows what I'm talking about. Sure. Thinking of Doug. Uh, Doug's wife. I know she. Yeah. She's had knee surgery. Um, but yeah, it. It. He has to change the degrees every day. Um, so that it gets a little more intense and a little bit more full range of motion. That's kind of what we're working toward right now as scar tissue develops and you kind of have to stretch all that stuff out. So it's, it's difficult now. His surgeon didn't say he needed a wheelchair. They gave him crutches and sent him on his way, but he can't crutch himself to the refrigerator, (laughs) grab a beverage and crutch himself back to the couch. Like you can't Hmm. carry things. Unless when you're relying on grudges.
1: Unless you get him unless. one of those hats but that has the, <laughs> the cans on the side with the big straws. For his
0: Arizona green tea. Yeah. One on each side.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. No. So, yeah, he, he had been asking probably since the weekend, man, if I could just get a wheelchair, I could probably get around a lot better, a lot easier. Yeah. And he was pretty excited. I actually brought it home to him after our meeting this morning. Yeah, I brought it home to him this afternoon and he just started zipping around the house. <laughs> Just zipping around, and our dog was totally freaked out. Doesn't know what to think of Jed in a wheelchair. Oh, that's giant awesome. wheels! Well, yeah, yeah.
1: So recovery continues. He's Let's just keep praying for him. Bored to tears. No, he
0: just he got a bunch of video games. I think I mentioned it last week. He was actually texting our friend Tyler today mm-hmm. because Tyler is a gamer. Tyler yeah. likes his games, and and Jed is just kind of just kind of bemoaning the fact that even the games. Don't bring him joy. He's just <laughs> so bored.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Jen. What to do, man?
0: I yeah,
1: would, yeah. But, I, I get that. You you're sitting at home, nothing to do, and eventually, even even video games, you just can't. You can't maintain it's like squeezing juice out of a <laughs> out of a, a dead orange like you're not getting more juice out no, of it you've already no. yeah. he's
0: watched the movies he's played the games he's so so bored
1: he's got to get in some mini series or something get it like something, something like he 24 that he can binge or yeah. something like that yeah. yeah
0: that keeps him going yeah. that's what he hasn't done uh-huh. he's been watching these one-off movies but yeah no there's but your mistake he, he ubered himself to church Sunday morning what could not believe when I saw Chad. him hobbling in through the front door I was standing <laughs> in the lobby of fishers and in he comes that's such a great mental image it's amazing he ubered himself to good church. for
1: you jed that's commitment <laughs> You yeah wow yeah. i was gonna say you could watch the live stream but you can't see marin on the live stream because you're leading at fishers so
0: i don't think he he actually said to me yeah. after i had seated him helped him tried to get him as comfortable as i could yeah. before the 11 o'clock Pl-
1: plugged in his knee
0: extender machine he, he actually said if it wasn't for jaden playing drums i probably would have just stayed home and i'm like really <laughs> It's Jaden. It's Jaden. It's not <laughs> yeah. even me, Barry. Nope, sorry. It's our son. That's our how it is. Our son was playing drums, and he didn't want to miss it. He's well. a proud papa. Well, all right. Yeah, and I just have to give a shout out to the Fishers campus as, you know, my mother passed away, so mm. there was a... a what do they call it? A food train is that A meal train. A meal train. Oh, yeah. I've I really never had anything like this happen to me before. Yeah. So this meal train has been amazing. But then my husband had surgery, and the person who kindly and lovingly organized the meal train extended it. So I can't remember the last time I had to cook a yeah. meal. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you all. That's awesome. Life has been crazy. Fishers, uh, they're big on loving and supporting, especially through food, which is my personal favorite. So I just got to say thank you. Thank you all.
1: Right on. Anything yep. else going on in your life that's <laughs> worth the uh, pod mentions?
0: Oh, dear. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and say no. It's just we're in survival mode. Yeah. Oh, one thing that's mm. coming up. If I if there is a bright spot on the horizon of my personal life, yeah, Valentine's Day weekend, epic mother-son road trip. Really? I'm so excited I can't even where, tell you. Where are you guys going to go? So Jaden has a favorite band Jaden and I, Jaden's really into this More like this alternative music scene Which he for sure gets from me And there's times when we're on road trips That Jaden will pick a band or pick a song That he knows Jed and Desi are gonna loathe But (laughs) I like So this is one of those trips where me and Jaden Just get to go do what we like And his favorite band since he was a small child Is a very obscure Strange band, they're called Me Without You they, they're just weird.
1: I've heard of me without you. Wait, no, that's a movie.
0: I think they're very niched. But anyhow, hmm. they've never played an all-ages show. Really? I've lived in Chicago. I have followed them so closely. So Jason hasn't had a chance
1: to even... He has
0: not had a chance to see his favorite band play live. <laughs> and it's their farewell tour. So Whoa. this is it. I started to panic. I even wrote the band. and was like, please play an all-ages show. I, my son loves you. Please do this for me. Yeah. They've played the hi-fi here. Like, yeah. He's never been able to go. So they're playing an all ages show in North Carolina. So I don't even care. Gosh, into the wind. My in-laws are coming in to take care of Jeff. And me and Jaden are hitting the road. Oh, and Desi will be on the merge retreat. Oh, all right. Big fun family weekend. That's awesome. Wow. I'll have to tell you how that went a few Uh, weeks from now. Yeah, and
1: I'm going to have to look up (laughs) Me Without You and see if I like their music.
0: Oh, we're picking out like road trip songs. We're talking about snacks. Like this is going to be the coolest thing ever. That's That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. How about you? Well, there's not again, I I wish I had more exciting things to share. Life on the farm is fine. Uh Bella the horse got out again. Uh Again. <laughs> this happened twice now. Uh Bella and Lily are two horses that share a pen together. Ah. And Bella has she's she's young, Lily's the old one. These aren't our horses in case you haven't been following the story. Our neighbor is boarding her horses at our place, but one morning I went out to go let the chickens out and find Bella just standing in the middle of the barn doing her own thing, not in the pen where she's supposed to be. And then the other thing that happened to Olivia two days ago, she went in there and there's Bella just like wandering around kicking over buckets and stuff. And so the only thing is they're big animals, right? These are very large horses. So to get them back into the pen, it's a bit of a trick. I, I like. I try leading Bella into the pen and the moment I open the gate, Lily walks right out because the gates open and she's like, yeah, let's go outside. Let's do stuff. So Bella follows Lily. And so the only way to get both of them back into the pen, if you're alone is to get Lily, the older one, walk her in a big circle so that Bella follows her and then walk her into the pen and walk her around and they'll both be in there. And then you got to keep. anyway, we did it. We managed both times and we're not entirely sure how she's even managing to get out. You need to have like a video camera set yeah, up. Yeah, we in really it. should. We really should. So anyway, that's the adventure. And then the other thing is that Chester now, bless his heart, Chester, you, Chester is the, your our rooster, rooster who has been just this poor little sad sack being picked on by everybody, <laughs> and like literally they're literally picking out his head feathers and stuff, and so he's got one sad little tail feather. All the rest got picked out, and they're slowly growing back. So uh, anyway, he <laughs> he's. He, I guess, has hit puberty, and mm. so he's decided. Not only am I a rooster, I'm the man. Yes, like, that's and so and isn't he the only one? Yeah, he's the guy. So it went basically from Chester, this poor, sad, you know, chicken that everybody's Oppressed. picking on, to like the the harem master. Like he's these are all his women, and he's around just like <laughs> being a jerk to them. And so we're we're now having a new personality that we're going to have to learn. And he's. He's running around doing this little dance where he like taps his feet like happy dance with his two feet. But that really means like, hey, I'm your I'm your your guy. You got to do what I want now. He's like total machismo. And I'm like, all right, look, we're going to have to have to talk about this.
0: See, this is where this is where I don't understand, like conceptually, I suppose, maybe philosophically, the animal world. Yeah. Jed and I were watching. Television because he can't move off the couch. But yeah, we were yeah. watching TV the other day. Kids weren't home, and we were watching some sort of like I don't know if it was Blue Planet or something sure. like that. And it was a beetle somewhere. I want to say in France. Okay. I think it, no, no, that was a fly. It was a beetle in South America. All right. Yeah. That yeah. has to like fight off all these other beetles in order to be able to mate with its mate. And it climbs this humongous tree and it gets to the top and the other beetle like runs away, like playing hard to get. Like, isn't this all like part of that animal kingdom? But then this beetle like takes his mate and throws her off the tree. What? Like chucks her off (laughs) the branch. And you know how like these programs like... They add this element of humor or sure. even humanness right, to right. the subject matter. You can so see like, her look at the camera like no, <laughs> right? Yeah. and it has this little beetle falling in slow motion, like <laughs> all the way down Aww. to the ground. Now, am I to assume that that beetle is a jerk and like right. needs well, yeah reprimanding,
1: right. or is it just nature? Right. That's the thing. Yeah, I, honestly, at the end of the day, it's like these are chickens. They're they're doing what chickens do. So obviously. <laughs> Chester's not actually need a talking to. Also, he doesn't understand English. To. So <laughs> it's... But, you know, as his dad, I kind of want to, like, teach him about respecting women and... and
0: <laughs> so what are your resources? Like, what do you, what are your go-to, hey, I've got chickens now, YouTube I need information. And
1: YouTube and a couple books that we've been looking at that kind of lay it all out. Mm-hmm. And the, the uh, guy who gave us the chickens also knows a lot about chickens. Yes. So we, you know... Anyway, so yeah. we're just... We're figuring it out, and and it's just a fun part of our life. Every, routinely, whenever these kinds of things happen—moving horses and you know, figuring out chicken stuff—Liv and I will both like come inside, take off our mud boots, and say, "I love our life." Yeah. <laughs> so we really do enjoy it. Uh, it's just it's not quite what I ex- saw myself uh being. Yeah. Five, even five years ago, I didn't. I wouldn't have imagined.
0: I would be very scared and intimidated by the horse thing. Yeah. Like even though there's somebody else's horses and it's not even your job to have to shovel the poop or anything like that. I kind of go through life like picking up new fears along the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's
1: something I could be scared of. (laughs) Exactly. My
0: father in law was kicked in the face by a horse twice, like in the same event, like he he was kicked. He went down. He got mad. He got up and he got kicked again. And the doctor said if he was any smaller of a guy, it would have killed him. And he needed, you know, facial reconstruction surgery and all that from being kicked by a horse. So if a horse got out, I would be inclined to just leave it, let it be, do its thing. Are you in any way intimidated by these beasts?
1: I'm very, very aware and careful if I'm ever behind any of them. For any reason that Ooh. that freaks me out because yeah. I'm like I don't want to get kicked in the face or the chest or whatever. But the thing is when you're when you're in front of them and you can they they all have like a little harness on their on their head you know and you can grab the harness and they're just like I mean dogs they, they well maybe not I don't know about dogs that much but like they won't they might try to pull away from you but mm-hmm. if you show them that you've got them mm-hmm. they're they're gonna. Submit and do kind of what you need to do. So I guess it's just got to get in front of them and not behind them. <laughs> but I I will be the first one to admit that I am a complete rookie at this. And I'm learning as I go. Gina, the, the lady who owns these horses, has taught me a lot, even just from watching how she interacts with them. Yeah. I wouldn't have known about the Lily Bella thing about taking Lily first until uh, But Gina showed me. So I don't know. It's it's fun. We're learning wow. so far. Haven't been kicked in the face. Thank you, Jesus. Not even once. So.
0: Blessings. Yeah. I'm sure it'll it'll
1: happen. I'll probably at some point in my life be rammed by a goat and pecked by a chicken. And (laughs) these things will all happen. And it's just going to be a part of my story.
0: Oh, man. Farm life.
1: Farm life. Indeed. It's almost as if we were we were meant to live in harmony with animals and we're still relearning how.
0: What a great segue! (gasps) What? What are the chances? It was like Tyler was here, writing that segue. (laughs) (laughs) So Barry, you gave a great message this week. Oh, thank you, uh, thank you, (laughs) Tyler.
1: Yeah.
0: Would you uh, recap your big idea, man? I'll try. That was a lot of information in one message. Um, it truly was, and honestly, listener, if you felt like it was a fire hose of information, I highly recommend listening twice because the second time through, I was able to slow it down and yeah. digest a bit more.
1: Yeah, it was. I, I fully admit it was. As I was writing, I was like, "There's no way I'm getting this in 30 minutes." <laughs> I managed, but it was not pretty. Like I, I really, really, really wanted to spend more time. I could have probably done that sermon in an hour and yeah. felt actually okay about it but mm. um yeah so we're kicking off a new series called return to eden and it's actually surprisingly enough about the law of moses and it's a byob series we talk about uh, we do byob series routinely and essentially byb means bring your own bible and it's our way of trying to focus specifically for a t- period of time on how to read the bible how to be, how to equip our people to understand what they're reading. So we'll focus, it'll be focused in on a particular part of the Bible or a particular book of the Bible or a theme or something in, that's going to help people learn how to engage with their Bibles. So this one all about the law. I, I knew that I want, we, we've been kind of going through this narrative of, of scripture and it's time that Israelites are at Mount Sinai. It's time to talk about the law. So our options were, skip right over to the next part where the narrative happens or actually stop and talk about this huge portion of the Bible and how to read it. And so um, ultimately I ended up trying to put the law into, into a context that was broader than just the sort of the legal regulations and all that stuff. Because what I've come to understand over the last several years of study is that the law is actually part of a much bigger story and it's a story that kind of goes throughout the entire scripture. And it's a story that within the Torah itself, the first five books of the Bible, it's a story that spends a lot of its energy focused on the story of Eden mm-hmm. and what happened to Adam and Eve in Eden, and uh, the reason that they fell, and the big question of is it is it possible for humanity to get back to the the presence of God, to the the you know peaceful, harmonious existence we were meant to have with God. Is it possible to get back? And as I said in the message, the Torah or the law itself answers the question with the answer, yes, but here's how. And so I basically talked about the fact that the law itself is was a way for Israel to re-enter the presence of God. And that same story of them finding a way back to Eden— ultimately they they didn't keep the law and so they as a result they went into exile and it was it was through god's grace his relentless faithfulness as i kept referring to it hmm. who god's relentless faithfulness ended up leading to jesus coming and actually not not throwing out the law like well we tried this and it didn't work but actually fulfilling the law and taking it to its extreme conclusions of self-sacrifice of love and Ultimately, he gave his own life as a consequence for humans' rebellion, and made it possible, finally, for humans to re-enter Eden and to begin dwelling with God again, and to begin living in such a way that we are eating from the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, as I called it. And yes. We can talk about that more. So, all that to say, it was a it was a fire hose uh, because I was covering a lot of ground. But my main point was that essentially, God is relentlessly faithful. And when we look at the law, we are looking at one part of a bigger story that we are still a part of. And it's the part it's it's a part of the story in which God is laying out how how the people of Israel might re enter Eden and and dwell with God. Mm.
0: So I know you've said it on the pod, and I I think I saw you write it in a social media post somewhere, maybe Instagram or something, but you said that you haven't been excited about a <laughs> sermon series
1: like this, like yeah. this uh-huh.
0: in, in some time. What did you mean by that? Why? The law. Uh, Yeah. So I think it's
1: because I've been, my mind has been absolutely blown over the last few years as I've kind of, I would say over the last six to 10 years, my understanding of scripture has just completely exploded in some good ways where I've become, I've been made aware of themes and ideas and imagery that's in the Bible that I didn't even It was right in front of my nose the entire time and I never saw it operating. But now I'm beginning to understand it. And as I do that, it starts to help me put things into place that I always found uncomfortable or confusing or weird. Suddenly it all starts to fit. And not only mm-hmm. does it fit, but it actually starts to be something that's actually really compelling and life-giving and interesting. Where before it was something I just would have avoided, yeah, including the law.
0: Yeah, you said that in the past this was almost something that embarrassed you. About our faith.
1: Right. The, and, that the law was even in there because there's laws about what to do with witches and stuff. And I'm like, that's weird Oh, totally. Stuff, Whenever
0: right? I, we were watching some show the other day and it was a comedy. And I think they were they were reading one of those weird mm-hmm. passages, almost kind of tongue, tongue in cheek, maybe yeah. mock or say, yeah. you know, oh, my goodness, the Bible says some weird stuff. And I yeah, I I could see why this would be. You know, oh, let's just kind of pretend like yeah, that's not there, yeah. because we don't maybe fully understand why it right. was there. So, is this kind of redeeming the law for you, or redeeming this part of the Old Testament for you?
1: Yeah, it really is. Now, don't get me wrong; there's still plenty of stuff I wrestle with in that portion of the Scripture. Uh, well, all of Scripture, there's plenty of stuff to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. But what it has done is it has helped me not buy into this mentality that. It based that the entire story of humanity is creation, uh, fall of humanity, Jesus, Mm. and then everything else that's, that's kind of how the evangelical kind of mindset was for me growing up. It was like creation, fall, cross
0: of Jesus. Or creation, fall, wait for Jesus, wait for Jesus, look at all these things that tell us Jesus is coming, Jesus. right, Right,
1: exactly. Versus, oh, God didn't start w- redeeming humanity at Jesus, he'd been doing it forever. He'd mm. been, he began pursuing a reconciliation with humanity since the very beginning and the law is a big part of it. So mm. yeah, it, it's been, I think it's what's made me so excited about it is I realized that with some of these images, uh, things like the, the trees of, of life and the tree of knowledge of good and bad and images like, uh, the chaos waters and the mountain garden, all of these images, when you understand them hmm. for what they are in Scripture, suddenly it actually brings things to light. And I and I knew that if if we could somehow manage to capture all of that, the actual like story and the hmm. heart behind the law, we might actually be able to get people fired up about it and i'll admit that i was really nervous that this wasn't going to work mm. because i thought this is just going to be too much this is going to be too confusing it's not going to fit for people or whatever um i had some hope though when we did our continuity meeting mm. we have a continuity meeting where we kind of plan out a whole sermon series pick out pick the title pick if we're going to do any special elements and when i laid out sort of the framework for how we were approaching this series everybody sitting around the table had like eyes as big as saucers and they were like whoa that's cool. I've never heard that before. I never thought about that before. And they were really into it. And I was like, okay, all right, well, that's a good start. Maybe it's possible that we can actually make this exciting and engaging. So
0: did this start for you in seminary when, when these connections started to be made and when this passage of scripture started to be illuminated in a new way?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think, well, here's, here's what, what happened is some of it had happened before, but really it was the the big explosive moment in my growth and understanding of Scripture happened my very first quarter of seminary when, for some weird reason, my advisor had me sign up for what was ultimately one of my hardest classes, Isaiah. I took an Isaiah class my very first quarter of seminary, and what it did was it plunged me into the world of the Old Testament and,
0: and the imagery. The world of prophecy. And prophecy. Isaiah is trippy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of the the factors of the timelines of the Old Testament world and authorship questions and imagery and like I I was just in my office a few moments ago looking at a book called Creation and the Persistence of Evil, which introduced me we read one chapter or two chapters in in that class, which introduced me to the motif of the chaos monster and, and how there's this theme in scripture of the waters of chaos and, and like ancient cosmology, the way that they understood the world and how the forces of chaos were personified by this (laughs) monster that existed in the, and that now I realize is one of the fundamental motifs, especially of the old Testament, but even of the whole Bible. And so all that to say that class put me on a journey where I started realizing, wait, there's a lot here that I've never pursued. I've never explored. So now when I read the prophets or even the law, there's, I, I come to it with a bit of, I'm intrigued. I'm mm-hmm. interested. I want to find, I, I started after that class, I started marking in my Bible with a little black circle. Every time I see the word sea or mm-hmm. chaos or the monster, and I it's everywhere.
0: Does it always represent unrest and chaos. Uh,
1: y- yes, usually, usually um but almost almost always it's a part of a uh, it's a part of a bigger imagery or bigger motif. Mm. Like you'll find images of of God Yahweh as a thunderstorm going to battle against the sea or a mountain being contrasted with the sea mm. and you start to realize like we haven't gotten into this yet in the pod, but talking about Eden was at at the top of a mountain, right. this mountain garden, and you realize that the mountain garden as the opposition to the sea and the chaos of that, that God brings people through the sea of chaos and onto his mountain garden again and again and again. We're talking... Uh, Abraham leaves the chaos of Babylon and meets God on a mountain, On an actual, on mountain. an actual mountain, yeah. uh, Moses and, and the Israelites, they go through the red sea of chaos and all the imagery there, Exodus 15, it's all about the chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and he, and he brings them to Mount Sinai where he meets with them and brings, gives them the law. And then you see it again and again, not to mention some of the, some of the places in the new Testament where they pick up on that imagery, look at revelation 21 and 22. The new New Jerusalem, the new creation, comes down, rests on a mountain, and on that mountaintop, God meets with his people. There's no longer any temple because God is the temple, and his presence is there with them. It's essentially Eden, but it's a city this time, and guess what? There isn't anymore. There's no more sea. It's what it says in Revelation 20, mm-hmm. 22 or 21. So. All of these metaphors, like Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, the apostles, they were picking up on these metaphors too. Jesus walks on water because he is mastery over chaos. Like Hmm. all of these things, it's just like all of a sudden the entire Bible starts popping for me. And this Eden mountain garden, Eden motif is one that is, I realize now, like foundational to the entire scripture. The tree of life is foundational to all of scripture. Jesus dying on a tree was not a mistake. It was it became a tree of life, an inverted tree of life where the tree of death became a tree of life. Like all of that stuff suddenly, if you have a bit of poetic imagination, the Bible rocks. Mm. <laughs> it can if you if you go there. So
0: Yeah. It makes me wonder how how did we lose that mm. over the years?
1: I have an opinion. I'm curious to know what you think.
0: I got lots of opinions. But what do you think, Pastor? Well <laughs> All
1: right. I think I think it has a lot to do with the Enlightenment.
0: Hmm.
1: I think the, the Enlightenment Western rationalism led us to believe as a culture that we could boil reality down to a list of objective truths. And so when we started looking for those objective truths about reality, that that led us to explore science in a certain way, to explore history in a certain way, and ultimately to explore our Bible in a certain way. Mm. So we started to to develop something called systematic theology where we could like slice and dice up. Okay, God, here are the facts that we can prove about God. Uh, What about, you know, salvation? Here are the facts about salvation. And people would then debate those facts or whatever. But the idea was that we could the Bible just became a a a resource with which we could mine to find objective truths mm. to put up on our wall. Right. Instead of the way that the more the Hebrew imagination is, is that the Bible is an invitation into a story and into poetry, mm-hmm. into like stories that are intentionally told in a way that force you to wrestle and question. Uh, honestly, the we're doing this, this Q and a on Wednesday night, actually yeah. it'll be the night that this podcast gets posted where I'm going to be on Facebook live seven o'clock, Um, actually I'll do it throughout the series and just try to respond. I'm not going to say that I have answers. I'm going to be responding to people's questions about the serious things that this has brought up. And one of the, the most asked question this week is why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and bad in the, in the garden at all? Why would he put that there knowing that Adam and Eve are going to get, are going to mess up? Like, why would he put that there and tempt them if they are just like children and they're innocent? then why would he tempt them? Cause doesn't that seem like he's being cruel or mm-hmm. not like a good father or whatever. And what I love about Hebrew scriptures is that the story doesn't tell us that mm-hmm. and guarantee we're not the first people asking that question. People have been asking that question forever and it's there. That is there for the question to be asked. Yes. And that's what I love so much about it. So I don't know. What do you think?
0: Um, Hebrew meditation literature, hey, right? Oh, yes. So, so, That question is a great example of what we're meant to chew on and is ruminate the right word? Yeah. Just it's, we're supposed to sit with that. I, I think we're afraid of tension. Right. And that's why we want little clean answers to everything. Yeah. But if we can embrace that tension and embrace the mystery, embrace the things that aren't spelled out clearly for us. Right. Like you said, that's, that's like part of the purpose of having the old Testament be what it is. Yeah. I think And I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but, you know, Christ came and I feel like we've, we've struggled with his, you even referenced it in, in your, in your message this week that Jesus himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law. Right. But we think, okay, he's here, you know, veils torn in two, all things are made new. He's fulfilled the law. And, and we just kind of move on from yeah. that point of A.D. completely losing touch right. with any Judaic roots that Christianity has. Right. I, that's, I guess that would be like an overly simplified explanation no, but of I think what I think happened. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. And
1: part of it is we, ha- we had to do that because we don't know what to do with laws about mixed fabrics and stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, or like not eating shellfish. We're like, well, we like shellfish. So, you know, <laughs> I think—, I think that's when it it becomes important for us to actually wrestle with it and ask, mm-hmm. what does Jesus mean by that when he says he's not coming to abolish the law? Because it sure feels like he's abolishing the law because we're Gentiles. And according to Paul, we're not bound to the specific regulations of the law. So it's, yeah, it's, right. it's an invitation to, to talk and to wrestle and to think. And that's what I love. So getting back to your original question, that's why I'm excited about this series, because I love that. We get to fire up people's imaginations and get them thinking, asking these kinds of questions, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I think that's what's been so great about every BYOB series that we have had. It really makes people look at their Bibles, ask those questions, wrestle with those questions, and in doing so, encounter. God and have these light bulb moments like you and I have all the time when we right. read scriptures and yeah. we see connections yeah. kind of crisscrossing Old Testament and New Testament. And right. You mentioned a few of those. I think when you really got excited in your message this weekend <laughs> was when you were making the connections of yeah. cherubim being you know, set at the gates to Eden and then cherubim being embroidered on the curtain that protected the Holy of Holies. But then that was the very curtain that was torn from top to bottom. I thought you were going to float off the stage. Well, can I tell you what happened?
1: (laughs) I didn't, I had never connected that until I was preparing for this message. Now I had known, obviously, if you follow the story that inside the Holy of Holies is God's presence and there's a clear distinction between that and, and the idea of the curtain being torn. God's presence was no longer bound to the Holy of Holies. His presence was in the world. I knew that Mm. I had never thought about the cherubim specifically until I was preparing for this message. And I was literally sitting there taking notes, writing out how I was going to do this message. And it just struck me like a bolt from the blue. And I was like, wait, there are cherubim on the, on that curtain. Yeah. And the whole framework that I'm going for here is that the tabernacle is like Eden. And so of course the cherubim are no longer guarding the gates of yes. Eden in this in this beautiful, poetic, uh, yeah. how do you say it, coup de grace. It <laughs> is like, wow. And it, who knows? I could be wrong. That may not be what was intended by that, but man, that is so beautiful oh, and profound, yeah. you right? Can't,
0: you can't understate the symbolism of that. I am, I, I hate to admit it, but my husband knows, my whole family knows, I am a cynic's cynic. Yeah. I am a skeptic's yeah. Skeptic. My
1: kind of person. I love no,
0: skeptics. No, I can't. I really don't like <laughs> that about myself. I wish that I were different. I wish I was like my sister, Felicia. Felicia, if you're listening, wish I was more like you. <laughs> um, but when I even just hearing the the, the sermon title, Back to Eden, mm. I went, mm, yeah, but really? Right. Like, can we really get back there? Like, right. you're just going to spend the next four weeks or five weeks telling us how we can get back to Eden. But I mean, milk and honey, come on. Yeah. Like harmony with nature. Really? Right, right. Um, can we? And so some of those there's points. Beetle, there's beetles throwing each other <laughs> off the trees. <laughs> <I know>. Like <laughs> Humanity and all of nature is doomed. <laughs> totally doomed. Yeah. But as you made these points, it was unlocking those doors that were closed mm. to this idea. Mm. Saying, no, absolutely. He's absolutely right that. Not only has God continued this invitation, it never stopped. Even yeah. after we left Eden, so to yeah. speak, yeah. his invitation has stood and ultimately he made the way. He He took down the barriers to his abundance his holiness the fullness of his presence where his presence is there's fullness of joy yeah the cherubim aren't there anymore the curtain's not there anymore even christ said i'm leaving you with my spirit and i'll be with you always and you'll do even greater things than i did yeah it it started to open those doors even for me to just be like no i'm i'm tracking with you i'm Mm -hmm. following with you so i'm i'm excited to see where you take it from here yeah that was a huge setup just,
1: <laughs> yeah. <whoa. laughs> yeah, let's hope I don't completely blow it the rest of the weeks, but no, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting because I think as we start to dig into some of the specific things of, of the law, like when we talk about holiness, oh, suddenly, I mean, I'm, I, Tim's given that message and so I need to make sure that we're on the same page about where he's going with it, but I'm hoping that he gets to the fact that a lot of the laws that we find so completely odd about uh, mixing fabrics and all that stuff and unclean and clean stuff and all that. I'm hoping uh, that where he goes with that is talking about the fact that ultimately what matters is that we are made right, made clean to enter into God's presence. And ultimately when Jesus came, he reversed the flow of the cleanliness equation where before if you touched a dead body you became unclean because dead bo- de- death has no place in Eden. So mm. if you touch a dead body, suddenly you are unclean and you're not able to enter into God's presence until you were made clean again. Well, suddenly Jesus comes, he touches dead bodies mm. and they raise from the dead. He brings the cleanliness and the purity of Eden to our world and he reverses that flow. And now we with spirit within us have that. So i'm I'm looking forward to us continuing to think through these things because again, I really believe that there are no laws in the Old Testament that are that that don't fit in this mm. ultimate story. It just is a matter of us understanding how they fit in the ancient world. yeah, mm-hmm. mixed fabrics don't mean anything to us, but at the time it they symbolized something about our approach to God's presence. Or, or the Israelites approach to God's presence that, you know, so hmm. I'm hoping that people can, can kind of put those pieces together. Cause there will always be laws that are uncomfortable for us.
0: Well, and even what you said about the, the tree of good and evil, the tree of good and bad. Yeah. 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 Let's um, talk about that. I, I kind of refresh us on what you said sure. about why you chose to call it the tree of good and bad versus the tree of good and evil. Yeah. Well, I will
1: not take any credit for this. I, I received a lot of this from, conversations that the Bible project podcast, actually, Mm -hmm. they've, they've talked a lot about this, Tim Mackey, uh, his, his perspective on this. And I'm, I'm now fully bought in on, on what he gets at with this, but he's essentially saying that it's the, first of all, the words Tov and Ra, that's the tree of the knowledge of Tov and Ra don't necessarily mean good and evil. We say good and evil because our sort of worldview is that those are the two extremes, Mm -hmm. but the actual words are. Good and bad, and sometimes bad means evil, but more often than not, in the Hebrew Scriptures, it refers to the quality of a thing. I mentioned tov figs and raw figs. Like there's a there's two baskets, and in in I'm not sure where I can't remember where Jeremiah maybe, but the figs that are in the raw basket they're not they're not evil figs. They're just bad. They're no good. They're rotten. And so that that. Brings in the the word good is something that you start start to see in the Genesis story with God declaring what's good. This is good, this is good, this is good, this is not good, you know, for man to be alone, etc. The idea that the humans would then eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is essentially them saying, I'm gonna define reality for myself. I'm gonna choose what is good. And in fact, it says in Genesis three, I mentioned this in the message that Eve saw that the tree was good Mm -hmm. for for food. In other words, from her perspective and everything else. And you know, God made light and he saw that it was good. Eve sees the tree and she sees that it was good. She determined in her mind, that's good for me.
0: Yeah. I like this for two reasons. I like the distinction between evil and bad Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's a little gray. Yeah. I think my kids inherently know not to grasp for something evil. Yeah. If it, if it presents itself as evil, they're more likely to go, whoa, whoa. Okay. No, that's bad. That's not for me. Yeah. But sometimes things can kind of just present themselves in such a way that they almost seem good. Right. But they're just not the best. Right. They're just bad. It, you know, like, like eating a rotten fig or whatever, wouldn't be morally, you know, abhorrent or, or inherently evil, but it sure isn't good. Right. It's just bad. Exactly. I I liked the distinction because of that. And then also Eve looking at this fruit, the fruit's not inherently evil. Right. It looks delicious. Yeah. But she did what was right in her own eyes, kind of setting herself up as God, as the one who makes the laws. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What did you say? Um, That she decided that the tree was good, but God had been deciding. What right. was good and right. what was bad up to that point. And the question you posed was, do I trust God enough to eat from the tree of life? Or do I want to decide what's good for me? Yeah. Do I want to decide what I think is bad? Right. And that reminded me of the scripture, I think it's Proverbs fourteen, uh fourteen, twelve. There's a way that appears to be right, mm. but in the end it leads to death.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and that right there, that question of, do I trust God enough or do I want to define good and bad for myself? I don't think that I I could have probably camped out there for the rest of the message because that is the question. Yeah. First of all, for humanity, but especially in our culture, we have this mentality of you do you like you believe what's right for you. You think what's right for you. I mean, look, if, if. You know, if if the if that couple wants to sleep around outside of marriage, like it, as long as they're not hurting anybody, whatever makes them like, happy. It's yeah, it's they're they're making yeah whatever. They're they're faithful to each other. You know, do I trust that that marriage is the place for sex as God said? And that's just one example I'm yeah. thinking of. But you know what I mean. We live in this culture of like, ultimately, you do you, and it and do your best, and try not to try not to hurt anybody. And it, I've I actually this is kind of far field, but I I had a conversation once where I was, we were talking about just the framework of discussions around, around sexuality. And this, I asked the question, I said, do you think it's okay for God to ask someone to be celibate? Okay. This is a Christian I was talking to and they said, I don't know that I do think it's okay Hmm. for, I don't think it's, right for god to tell somebody that he wants them to be celibate. And right there as as just an example is something that I think is in our culture where I don't think I'm going to decide that being celibate or being expected to be celibate is wrong mm-hmm. or bad because it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me but and so I'm not going to trust that god would actually have my best interests in mind by asking me to do that. I just want
0: to know what kind of parties you go to what this, wasn't a party. A this was on a road trip no <laughs> <laughs>
1: this you're wasn't just, a party sorry fun party party questions yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I was like anyway sorry I'm gonna go
1: get more uh more soda so yeah no, no. but
0: you're right I, my husband gave a message once you know Jed used to give messages did he yeah I'm just gonna put that interesting wow. fact out there but he talked about how we will we will take the bible or we'll take you know biblical principles and we will try to bend them to fit the culture. Yeah. Instead of the other way around taking yeah. our culture and aligning it Yeah. to the word of God. And I think we do that all the time because there is a way that seems right to us as human beings as mankind. We think, well of course we believe this way, so God has to believe this way. Right. right? Absolutely. Because we believe this so strongly, but we're We're trying to take the word of God and conform it to the culture instead of absolutely it ought to be the other way around. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? But through the word of God and aligning everything we believe and everything we filter in through our culture to the word. And the thing
1: that we don't ever acknowledge or think about is the fact that it's so doable to take the Bible and make it, your worldview Mm -hmm. it's so doable because we are looking at it from our lens we've talked about the in byob series the world behind the text the world in front of the text like we we have a perspective a culture that we're bringing to the bible but so do the authors they have a perspective they have Mm -hmm. a worldview and so you are dealing with multiple language translate like anything that we read that jesus said not only did he not say those words but he also didn't say the words that are in the original language that it was written in. He spoke in Aramaic. It was translated to Greek and we're reading it in English. Think of the layers of possible, uh, misinterpretations or the layers of, of cultural nuance that we have to work through to really understand and submit ourselves to what Jesus has to say it is so easy to say, Oh, well this is what he meant because this is what it means in English. And this is what it, we have to. And I, I know that that's, that's, uncomfortable, but that's the reason why we have to understand all of scripture and not just take individual verses out of context we have to, you mentioned earlier how you, you know, when you start, you know, studying scripture on your own, you have these little flashes of insight and it's, I had this mental image of the way that our brains form neural connections where, excuse me, as you're, as you're developing, when you're doing something new you begin to get these little connections between in your mind. And as you do things more and more, those connections strengthen. Yeah. You add new insights, new, new pathways. And that's why someone who plays music eventually is able to play it naturally and effortlessly if they've well. been doing it for years. If, if they're talented, <laughs> they have to have that too. Some people uh, can play effortlessly. But the idea is you do something long enough that you're not thinking about the yes. notes anymore because yeah. you're thinking about like how to express this movement you know mm-hmm. so it's it's all because you're continuing to invest in it and your brain's starting to make those connections so i guess wow i don't know what i was even trying well, to say well i can I think see I, yeah. like
0: like the thing we talked about about the ocean representing chaos yeah like you strengthened that with that like aha moment of oh you mean everywhere i see this in scripture I should be thinking or at least one, what is the question. this? I, yeah. right, I should be thinking, what is this representing? Yeah. And now it's there. Now I can draw upon it. And I agree with you. Like one of the questions that I had scratched down as I watched the sermon was, why is it important for Christians today to study Old Testament law? Hmm. Like it would be pretty easy if you were coming with that mindset of, well, we're just New Testament people. Yeah. It'd be easy to tune you out for the next five weeks. Why is it important for Christians, modern day Christians, to study Old Testament law? And Old Testament law, understanding these things, understanding Jesus' roots, understanding yeah. what formed and shaped his world helps us understand not only what he said, but their implications for us today. It's right. the bigger picture you were talking about. It's the bigger picture you started your sermon with. Um, yeah, the creation of the world, how humanity broke that very good world Mm -hmm. that God had created and how God is calling out to a unique people to join him in healing that broken world. Yeah. It's, it's all part of the story. I don't know anybody who goes to a theater, but intentionally gets there about an hour late. Hmm. Because they don't care about the beginning. Right. They only want to see the end. Right. Nobody does that. They want the entire picture. They want to take in the entire story. And if we tune this out, it's like showing up to a movie theater an hour late. And we're missing every foundational element that sets up where we are right now in the story.
1: Right. And and as a sort of corollary to that is also the fact that we... We need to also read the Old Testament with the New Testament in mind. Jesus revealed God's character to us in a way that really is pretty mind blowing. The idea that He would be a self sacrifice, self sacrificial God whose love is so boundless and grace is so boundless. If we're just reading all the Old Testament and thinking, "Oh, that's just a different God," or or like, "That's not who God." He He changed when He He got turned into a big softy with Jesus, but (laughs) like. We have to understand that this the same God that that the Old Testament writers are, are attempting to capture in their their writings. Like you have to look at the whole story to really understand this is a God of grace and mercy and and love because we know he is because he came to us in, in Christ. So anyway, it's 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 a two way street where not only does the Old Testament help to enhance the new, but our understanding of God in the New Testament helps us to understand the old.
0: I think the first scripture you used in this whole message was Psalm chapter one, verse two. Yep. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. I used to
1: always laugh at that or think that was so weird. Oh, Cause so I just boring. imagined it being like, why would you have to, you're going to meditate on like rules about all that random weird stuff. Like you're you're going to like, you're going to delight in like the specific measurements right. of the tabernacle. Right. You know, like it was like,
0: what I've always read that. And, and thought, <laughs> to my shame, I thought, Okay, he didn't really mean that. Because, like, I delight in, like, a nice chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> yeah. like I, who yeah. delights yeah. in, like, laws? Yeah, the like, law. There must be something I'm missing there. He, he couldn't have actually meant that. Right. But the way you described that, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You said they were more meditating on a story, mm. which goes far deeper than most of us modern thinkers ever realize and it made me think of those magic eye books you're yeah. re- looking oh, at yeah. those as a those. kid where yeah. it's like pixels and nothing makes sense but if you stare at it just so yeah. if you kind of go cross eyed a bit yep. yep and then your eyes refocus, you. you see deeper in a 3d image into the page yeah and suddenly there's this figure before you that you never could have seen before yeah that's what it sounds to me like you're describing when you look at the law of the lord and you take a deeper look at it and you're helping us do that. Yeah. We, most of us didn't go to seminary to find this out. So you're, you're helping us understand that there's another way. There's a, a deeper way for yeah. us to fix our eyes on scriptures, right. fix our eyes on God. There's things he wants to reveal to us, but you gotta, one of the things with the magic eye books is you can't do it in motion. <laughs> hmm. you, you literally have to sit still and yeah. focus on that yeah. page in order to reach that like eureka moment yeah. of seeing what that image is. Um, and it sounds to me from this conversation and from how excited you got during your message that you <laughs> Was it really that obvious delight really- <laughs> in the law of the Lord. Wow. Very like you do. Like it's like I would delight right now in a popsicle. But that's you, and the law of the Lord is like your popsicle. You I'm, got so excited there. about this. I'm getting there. It's true. So I looked up the scripture because you read us verse 2. I did. But verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You are a blessed man, Barry Rodriguez. Well, thank you, Mary. Blessed is the man. I definitely don't
1: stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. <laughs> that's for sure. And, and guess what the next verse says? They are like trees planted along the riverbank. They're hey. bearing fruit each season. That's a whole other, uh, that's a whole other, th- that's the thing. Each of these imageries, uh, are these sort of, sort of like biblical metaphors, all have offshoots of other metaphors that are connected, but not. To, so humans are trees is another whole metaphor that goes along with it, where there are types of humans who are like the tree of life. And it's this whole other thing. So anyway, that's connecting to that. Hmm. It's all tapping into that big same Same imagery. It's cool. I do delight in this stuff now. I never did before. And now it just freaks me out how cool it is. And I find myself thinking about it driving places. Mm. It's literally like the whole, the command to, you know, put this on your forehead, wear it around your, your.
0: Yes. Meditate on it. Meditate on it.
1: It never made sense to me because I'm like, I don't want to. That sounds boring. But now it's like, I'm thinking about it all the time. Like, yeah.
0: And do you have a community of people that you can think about these things with? Because again, we weren't meant to take these cool thoughts right. and just, just like sit in a them. corner somewhere yeah. and think about them by ourselves. Yeah. Like all of this would have been done, especially in, in Judaic culture, in a community yeah. where we would sit down and we would talk about these things together.
1: Right. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we don't really do as much anymore, because uh, we kind of, confine it to academic circles is all the rabbinic culture, especially later on, this was more like around, around the time of Jesus, but the rabbinic culture of having these like rabbis, having these long discussions and back and forth about the meaning of this poetry. And well, but don't forget that God says this and having this sort of long conversation about discerning the meaning behind all of these different mm. things. I, I, yeah, I think we would do, we would be well served to have those kinds of conversations ourselves and have those I love the fact, I mean, again, we're talking Wednesday yeah. for the, for the, the live stream, but I love yeah. the fact that people are asking the question about why God put that tree, the bad tree yeah. in there. Cause it really does. It, it's a thing. And I'm not going to give him an answer. I'm going to give him several uh, thoughts, opinions of yeah. different people, but it's an invitation to a conversation, which is what scripture I think is meant to be.
0: Absolutely. Are there any questions that scare you? Are you like, Ooh, I hope I don't get that question. Uh, no,
1: not really, because I can. I'm fine at saying when I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are questions that I'm. I'm worried people might not be satisfied with what I'm able to offer as an mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do my best and see how people respond. Um, and then there's some questions. There's just no way we're getting to on a Facebook live stream. Like mm-hmm. one question is: Does the does the existence of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad mean that the story of eden is a call for anti-intellectualism and like it's like whoa that's that's a lot for a facebook live stream anyway it's a whole thing (laughs) um so i don't know that i'm going to be able to have time to get into all those but um we'll see i'm hoping to this next week we're talking about the 10 commandments yeah that's so we're going to start to actually look at some of the individual laws and see and i'm curious to hear how people respond to them because everybody knows at least of the 10 commandments they don't know they probably couldn't list them all but they know they're familiar with the idea of the 10 commandments so I'm interested to see if if I'm able to help capture within that same story structure what the 10 commandments really are and if that like prompts people to ask big questions or not I don't know I don't hmm. know um so I yeah I'm looking forward to the questions I love the conversation yeah even though I may end up raising more (laughs) questions than I answer.
0: I had to text you the other day and ask you about that sermon in particular. I was out for a good part of January, you know, preparing for my mom's memorial and helping my dad and all that. So I missed some of these meetings where we planned February. And I'm looking at (laughs) the Ten Commandments and I'm thinking, what song am I going to use to come out of yeah. this message? Yeah. How do you come out of the 10 commandments? Yeah. So you you gave me some good insight yeah. <laughs> to where you were going with that.
1: Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting and I'm really pumped. Man, the last message I actually got emotional as I was thinking about where I might go with it hmm. because it's the topic of sacrifice and it some of the thinking and again meditating on some of the imagery of what was required in the sacrificial system, in the law, and what that meant theologically in the sacrifice of Jesus, it brought me to tears mm. as I was working through it. It was powerful for me. And so I'm hoping to see, I'm hoping we'll see how that connects because when you realize how the sacrifice of Jesus fits into the law yeah. and the story, man, it it gets pretty mind-blowing.
0: Go to there. Go there. Oh, I will. I, I want oh, don't to worry, see, I'm going there. Believe me. But you also have a podcast, and then you also have a Facebook live. So I feel like you could spread this material yeah, out if you yeah, wanted we'll to. We'll keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited about it. This is going to be great. Yeah.
1: So, there we go. I don't know if we <laughs> we did okay without Tyler here. I could
0: do the thing. You want me to do the thing? So Barry, where are we going next?
1: I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Good question. And uh, yeah. Ten Commandments is next. The
0: Ten Commandments yeah. coming
1: up coming next. Coming at you, and then uh, yeah, so we'll we'll just l- look forward to that and see you next week. I don't know. Tyler's not back next week, is he?
0: I don't know. I I don't. I truly don't.
1: Dear know. listeners, it is entirely possible that we will do one more
0: at Tyler, least Tyler list pod. Tyler list
1: pod, <laughs> but we will be back in your feed next week. Marin, my good friend. Will you send us out? I
0: sure will. Until then, dear listener, do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly with my God.